Welcome to the Harbour City Podcast. We are a church in the East African port city of Durban, South Africa. Get to know us better at harbourcity.co.za or at harbourcitydbn on socials. We hope you enjoy this message. Preaching this morning on peace. And um, if you've been here for the last two weeks, we spoke on fear and courage. Um, and then last week we looked at Psalm 42 and spoke a little bit about, I guess, depression or it's okay to a little bit about peace, which I think is the inevitable hope um, that we have. Um, and so Philippians obviously is talking about peace, which is a, the verse that we're looking at. Um, but I guess what do we mean uh, peace? Uh, a few of us just went away to talk and pray about the future of Harbour City, and we went onto a farm in the Karkloof, and you get there, and you can't hear any cars, and there's trees around, and the birds are chirping, and there were lots of bees, and you hear this like buzzing of bees, and uh, there's flowers, and, and a stream, and you know, it's beautiful. And what do you say? You say there's such... Um, um, so... What do we mean by peace? Or, you know, sometimes we use it in slang, peace out. I don't know what that means now that I think of it. Uh, peace, use the little peace sign, you know. Um, we can use peace as, as saying. We talk about world peace. Um, obviously, there's a, a war in Ukraine and there's the desire for peace, we talk about wanting peace in our family. Uh, maybe there's family tensions uh, that, that are going on, arguments, or just the, the unsaid atmosphere in the room that's just really difficult. Um, if you've had family tensions, you'll know what I'm talking about. Um, and uh, sometimes we just want peace. Um, so what do we mean by peace? And, and what we're going to talk about in Philippians 4 is slightly different to maybe what a, a broader concept of peace. But in Philippians 4, it's talking about a personal uh, internal peace, which we want to talk about. Um, when, when the Old Testament uses the word peace, different from, from the New Testament, but the word peace is the word shalom. And the word shalom is this idea of nothing missing and nothing broken. So it's a peace that goes beyond uh, just a state of mind. It's a peace that represents wholeness or unbrokenness. It uh, represents um, wholeness in, in relationships. It represents wholeness in society, it represents wholeness in, in the person. Um, but at this point, when we're talking about uh, Philippians, it's a slightly different idea. It's a personal peace. It's a, it's a peace in the midst of chaos in, in some sense. It's a peace that one can have. Um, it's, it's an idea of rest or quietness or safety or calm, um, tranquility. It is the ability, in one sense, to feel safe, rested, um, even when things seem or be difficult. Three quick things, if I can just say uh, about peace. One of 
the things that we know about peace from Galatians 5 is that peace is a fruit of the Spirit, um, which means that peace is one of the inevitable outcomes of growing in our relationship or in the reality of our life in Christ. Um, uh, is one of the outcomes that we hope for. Um, hopefully, that means that as we grow in our relationship with Christ, as we walk with the Spirit, as we deepen our love for, for Him and we become more reliant on the gospel, that what will happen is that we will grow in peace. Um, the interesting thing about that is that uh, when Galatians talks about being a fruit of the Spirit, it it's, uh, talks about fruit singular. So when it's talking about love, peace, patience, kindness, joy, all of, all of that list, it's talking about as singular, not plural. It doesn't say the fruits of the Spirit, love, peace. And what that means is that all of those are growing outcome of our faith in Christ, um, that they come as fruit. They come as the singular packaged good of fruit as we grow in Christ. At some point, it is helpful for us to go and read that list and to ask God, living in the Spirit, are we becoming more reliant on the beauty of the gospel, on what Jesus has done for us? Because the inevitable outcome of our growing relationship with Jesus is that we will grow in the fruit, which means we will grow in peace. One of the other things that which uh, we, we learn from this passage here is that peace comes from God, that we can receive peace from God uh, as uh, uh, Paul says, he says, don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And what's the response? The peace of God, coming from God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. That peace can come from an external source. The peace, like we've got to try and generate it. Uh, you know, we've got to try and manufacture peace in our lives. So we switch off all the noises, we turn off our phones, we do all the things, we go to the bot gardens, we do a walk or the beach or wherever it is that you go, and we try and get into a state where we feel peace. Um, it's, some of those things will help, not knocking any of them. But peace comes from God. There is um, a reality where, and we will go through situations where everything you try doesn't work. And at that point, we've got to realize that peace comes from him. And that we need God as our source for peace. Third thing we learn about this peace is that peace is not circumstantial. Um, so when, when Paul says the peace of God, which transcends, or as one translation says, surpasses all understanding, 
What is he saying at this point? Essential. It's not like, oh, that is obvious. You would be peaceful. You live in the Midlands on a nice farm. No one's irritating you. You don't have uh, a boss. Or, you know, like you can look at all the circumstances and you can go, oh, it's obvious that you have peace. What Paul is talking about is a peace that surpasses the comprehension. When you look at the situation, you look at the circumstances, you would be going, I can't understand how they have peace. Passes, that goes beyond our ability to believe that it can even happen. Peace that surpasses, that's really important. Because one of the things, uh, I got videos, which I do sometimes, it's like my vice, I know, I know that's, Jolly TikTok. Anyway, but there was this one thing in, in TikTok, I know I mentioned this before, but it goes like this. You see that toxic person? I'm walking the other way, you know? Like, and it's basically like anything that irritates me, frustrates me, anything that disturbs my inner peace, my inner world, I'm walking away from it. Um, sometimes I think the people that say that probably are walking away from everything, which is why they want to be global travelers, because then you can just keep jumping around and leave everything behind at every point. But there, there, there is a sense that we think that peace is linked to circumstances. So everything that is not like that we feel is disturbing us, we need to leave. Uh, in Psalms, uh, in Psalm 3, David is talking about his enemies surrounding him. Uh, he has a lot to be anxious about. But he goes down in the psalm, and in verse 5, he says this, which to me is one of the like key features of peace. He says, but I lie down and sleep, and I wake up again. Well, you know, when you're not feeling peace, what don't you do? You don't sleep. Have you ever noticed that? You lie in your bed, you toss and turn. I normally can fall asleep in about 0.3 seconds. Like the moment the duvet goes on, I'm out. But every now and then, I feel like a little bit disturbed. And then I toss and turn. And Lisa gets irritated because she's used to me just falling asleep. And like, can you get out the bed so I can fall asleep? Um, yeah. Sleep is often a sign that we are. But what David is talking about in, in Psalm 3 is that even though the circumstances around him are extremely difficult, even though the circumstances around him should cause much anxiety, he has a peace that doesn't come from those circumstances, the Lord. Um, so I want to just give us three kind of, four kind of points. So on, on disciplines of peace, um, I got a couple of these from Tim Keller who helped me understand one or two things here. Um, I think help us learn to live in God's peace. The first, discipline of thinking. Think. Uh, often we think that peace is about not thinking, you know? So try and get every thought out of our minds. We, uh, you know, you want to do some form of meditation that will stop you from thinking. 
But uh, what does Paul say here? He says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, that word, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Um, What Tim Keller says at, at this point things that we learn uh, about this passage. The first is that the word think is, is not a very passive word in, in the context. It is quite a strong word. It is the idea to fuss over, to grapple with, to meditate deeply on. Um, it is this discipline of thinking deeply, of meditating, of grappling. And what do we meditate on, Tim Keller's saying, he is actually calling us not just to think on, you know, what is good, daisies and sunflowers and baking cookies and, you know, like whatever it may be, we think, oh, you know, that's what I need to think on. Uh, what Tim Keller says is, he says, when, when a, a writer will put a list like this, he's essentially calling you to think on the whole counsel of God. Big ticket items, not small ticket items. He's not saying, hey, guess what? You're going to have peace by thinking about things like beds of flowers and being in the Midlands and all of which I love. So I'm not knocking that. I enjoy whenever we get to go there. But he's calling you to think about big ticket items. He's calling you to think about the creation of the world that we created in the image of God about the fact that Christ has come, life, his death, his resurrection, the meaning of these things and what they mean to us. There is a temptation to think that peace comes from not thinking about those things. If I think about all those big things, you know, that's going to make me more anxious than I, but as we think more, God is love. God is the creator of the world. God is the one who created us in his image. God is the one who sent his son to die for our sins. As we become more aware, done, it brings us closer to peace. Paul is essentially saying from thinking more. Peace comes from our growing confidence in God. Then away from theology, grapple more with who God is. Uh, we learn to rely more on him. I know in Galatians, I said this, and I, I don't think I did a great job of it at the time, um, but I, I said this at one point, that doctrine is important. Theology is, in our charismatic churches, we like to think it's not, you know. Experiences are great, uh, feeling good. We love it when worship's great. We just love it. Great church service. Um, when we get a prophetic word, those are really good things. They make us feel great. Um, but the long-term uh, stuff that sustains us is our view of God important thing about a person is what they believe about God. 
Um, peace does not come from thinking less. It comes from thinking more. Um, I mentioned this before at uh, Resurrection uh, Sunday, but I mentioned about the, the Stockdale deer, that one of the ways that we get through incredibly difficult circumstances is to have a brutal realism, an honesty about the reality of where we are, but an unshakable hope in the end. Uh, what good theology does is run away from the difficulty of the world. It causes us to face the difficulty of the world, that we live in a broken and sinful world. It forces us to be brutally real about things, but it gives us an unshakable hope that God in his sovereignty is ultimately bringing us to himself and he's bringing the world to justice, peace, and new creation. It's about thanking. Um, what, do we, what do we learn here where it says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, uh, with thanksgiving. Um, I, I wonder how often we've stopped and noticed that with those two words in between the two commas. Uh, we often think that when we're anxious, we must just pray. Um, but we must pray with this. And now there's a lot of research that has been done on this. You can watch TED Talks. You can watch little TikTok snippets. You can watch uh, YouTube videos about the power of gratitude. Um, and, and so this is a little bit about that, but it's not really about that, what, what we'll see. But how powerful gratitude is for our mental health. That, uh, um, that just, you know, if you, if you want to try and get into a more mentally healthy space, gratitude journal, the research shows, is incredibly helpful. Uh, so being able just to write three or four things uh, a day is really helpful in helping us get out of some of difficulties that we're in. It gives us perspective. It reminds us that even in our present struggle, there are things for us to be grateful about. So, um, you know, get a journal, start uh, writing down three or four things that you're grateful for every day. You'll probably notice a huge difference. But what Paul is saying here is not that kind of gratitude. It's slightly different. What Paul is saying is that it's a thankfulness in prayer. It's a thankfulness that is intertwined with petition. So petition is request. It's asking. God, I'm asking you for this. What does it mean when he, Paul is saying there should be an intertwining between thankfulness and petition? It means, uh, as Tim Keller says at this point, he says, it means this, that our, even our petitions are reliant on, it's not just asking God for something at that point, but it's asking God knowing that he is good. Thankfulness that is saying, God, won't you help me, but also thankful that you are amazing, good, kind, gracious. What Tim Keller goes on to say, it's the kind of petition that is reliant on God's sovereignty. It's the kind of petition that in the end of the day is not just 
demanding something of God. It's asking something from God, but still trusting him whether he answers your prayer or not. Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane says, Lord, take this cup from me. But nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. It is hard to fathom that Jesus prays a prayer that is not answered. I don't know if you've ever thought about that. It's hard to fathom that, to think that Jesus prayed a prayer that was not answered. But Jesus' ultimate prayer was not his petition. It was the reliance on the will of God. It was the trusting on the will of God. Nevertheless, not my will be done, Lord. Your will be done. We get our peace is not from the petition. And, and then if God doesn't answer it, our whole world is shaken. It's from the reliance. It's from the thankfulness. It's from the realization that God, you are God. You are sovereign. You see the beginning from the end. And there are some prayers that if I prayed them would be worse for me if, if you answer them. I don't know if you've ever thought about that, if you've ever prayed a prayer and then six months down the line been like, thank you, Lord, that you did not answer that one. Um, some of you will, will know what I'm talking about. But it's that reliance on knowing that God in his sovereignty ultimately knows what is good for us. It is mingled, not just with petition, but thankfulness. It is a prayer of reliance. It's the ability to say, oh Lord, I put my trust. It's the ability to know that God is a loving father, so we can ask him for anything. But at the same time, thank him that he is good and knows what's best for us. Discipline to think well, to be thankful in prayer. Quite from this text, uh, I'll finish on this text in my fourth point, but is the discipline of repentance. At 30 verse 15, it says, in repentance and rest is my salvation, in quietness and trust. In Acts 3, it says, repent so that times of refreshing, the idea of rest and peace go together in the scriptures. Repentance as peace. Uh, we joke in, in our family, um, tenants, the curse of being a tenant is the curse of never being wrong, um, which we know that's not true. But we've never lost an argument yet they say. Um, that's the curse of being a tenant. Um, but it comes with a measure of difficulty. You know, if you always have to win every argument, it's just always tense. You know, we've got a family gathering and now you've got two tenants there, which means we both got to walk away thinking we won the argument. It's just a recipe for disaster. Um, but sometimes, uh, I don't know if you've noticed this, sometimes the ability to change your mind is something that brings peace. The ability to change your mind is often something that brings peace relationally. Repent comes from the, the word uh, to change one's thinking, to change one's mind, or to turn and go in the opposite direction. 
when we think of repentance, we're not just thinking of saying sorry, which is a part of repentance. When one learns that one has been going in the wrong direction or one needs to change one's mind, what is one of the best things we can do at that point is actually go and say sorry. Um, but uh, repent means to change one's mind, to go in the opposite direction from which one is going. Repentance, the ability to repent, helps us live in peace. Go and say sorry. I wonder how much of the anxiety we feel right now would change if up the phone and said sorry to someone to change our mind on something. The ability to go to God built some of us carry and I am sorry. We know in Christ we are forgiven. The anxiety is released in us saying. The final discipline is learning it's in the peace of God, the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. What does Paul do every time he uses that phrase, in Christ Jesus? He's reminding people of the gospel, reminding that this peace is found in the gospel. Whenever he's using in Christ Jesus, he's reminding us about the death and the resurrection of Christ and that we are invited into the kingdom through the resurrection of Christ. This is not a peace that just comes from doing things. This is not just a peace that comes from God apart from the gospel. It is a peace that comes from God sending his son, Jesus, to die on our behalf and to rise again for new life. It is a peace that comes because of the gospel. It's a peace that comes because of what Jesus has. Often, if you're like me, we try and live a spirituality of God devoid of the gospel. So we think, I want to be spiritual. I want to know God. I want to pray. But we just forget about the fact that Jesus died and rose again. And that only in what Christ has done, only in what Jesus has accomplished, do we find true spirituality. It flows from, well, prayer. Learn the discipline of repentance. I would say regular repentance. But we learn, we need to learn to cherish the gospel. Learning that all good gifts come, even the gift of peace has been accomplished for us because Jesus died and rose again. The gospel, the reminder that we ourselves cannot accomplish this in and of ourselves, that we ourselves live in a broken and fallen world, that we ourselves need God to do the work for us, that we ourselves needed Christ die 
and rose again. As we learn to cherish the gospel, Jesus' death and resurrection, we learn to live in peace. The growing peace. The peace that comes as a fruit that comes from our growing confidence in Christ's completed work. Can I pray for us? I think some of us need peace. Of us probably feel like we need the desperate internal rest. For, for some of you, that means you need to start thinking about the gospel again. You, that means trust God and his plan for your life and change our minds and maybe for some of us we just have never really trusted Jesus and today we want to turn our hearts to the one who gave himself for us I'm going to pray, but I just want to give us a moment just to be with God, keep playing on, on the keyboard, and as he does, pray. Just allow yourself to maybe speak with God. Allow petitions to be mingled with thanksgiving. Open your heart to the Spirit.